0: Please remember, conversations during EY podcasts should not be relied upon as accounting, tax, legal investment, nor other professional advice. Listeners must
1: consult their own advisors. You're setting yourself some ambitious net zero targets on how you're going to become carbon neutral. You're not quite sure how you're going to do it, but also you've got another target you want to become nature positive. Well, like you bring in other contractors, I'm saying your next contractor should be Rosie the elephant. Because you know what? She is a biodiversity and a carbon contractor.
0: Truth is, humanity can save itself and our planet. And right at this very moment, there's someone who's taken on this challenge and is on a path to solving an incredibly tough global problem. This podcast was created to tell you about them. You're listening to Better Heroes, a show from the global EY organization about the untold stories of entrepreneurs devoting their lives to impactful innovation. And I'm your host, Matt C. Smith. What is the value of an elephant? Well, wait while you take a guess. The answer is either $40,000 or $2.6 million. Million, And all of that depends on whether the elephant is alive or not. See, society has created a death-based value system. So an elephant is worth roughly $40,000 for the ivory in its tusks. But what if we could create a living-based value system? In that case, the natural services provided to its ecosystem by an elephant would be worth over $2.6 million. That's why Rebalance Earth is trying to transform our value system, they want companies and eventually individuals to be able to buy into the natural services provided by wildlife. Walid Al Sakhaf is the CEO and one of the company's co-founders.
1: When I was 15, I created one of the first ecological societies in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, of all places in the world. So that kind of kicks things off. And I remember that society's name was called the Red Leaf Society, and we wanted to save the humans, save nature, and save the animals. So I've I never lacked big ambitions, let's say, to making things happen. Lived in in Europe, in the Middle East. So I've traveled a fair amount. And the thing is, when you travel through different places, you pick up different cultures, way of thinking, ways of approaching different problems. And I think that's definitely enriched it. And that's why now with Rebalance Earth, we have this global team of professional volunteers. Mm. Education, yeah, you know, Economics, international relations, all kind of normal stuff you would go to. But I've always had a knack of questioning things. Mm. Why are we doing things this way? Could we do Mm. it differently? Inquisitive nature from childhood. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you think about it, we're just humans, right? We are facing climate change, the loss of biodiversity. So what is biodiversity? Well, it's all forms of life around you, from the microbes in the earth to the insects to the massive elephants and the great whales. It's all interconnected, right? We've lost in the last 50 years, 69% of wildlife. So let me repeat that. According to the WWF, we have lost 69% of global wildlife in the last 50 years. Imagine if you're the CEO and you are losing 69% of your staff this is what we've lost. And you know what? They're not coming back. So how do we stop that? But again, if you want to contextualize things, if you look at all forms of animals, including us, 96% of mammals are humans and livestock, which means the remaining 4% is what's considered wildlife mammals. That's how the balance has shifted. There's no more balance. We are the dominant species. We've imposed things in our way. And that has worked for quite a while, you know. But as we pass the 7 billion humans on this planet and we keep growing, the percentage of it that is nature is going to keep decreasing. And now I'm not here to tell you it's all doom and gloom. I don't want your listeners to come out of this podcast saying, you know, I might as well just jump off the bridge, you know, what's the point? But... <laughs> well, that is a lot of, you
0: know, the, the news and media is themed around, you know, emergency situations, because what captures titles is dire situations, right? Yeah. You know, there's that book recently re- released, themed around the concept of, yes, things have been bad, but here's things that have gone right. Yeah. And there's many things that have gone right. Deforestation has reduced... Poverty in Africa since 2016 has been declining whilst populations have been increasing. AIDS has somewhat fallen under control from a mass perspective. These things we don't see marketed anymore. It's because they've been solved.
1: Yeah. And yet the greatest challenge that we're all facing is still trying to be solved. And if you think about it, if your house was to burn down, you would kick in in a survival mode and try either to save yourself, save the house. You wouldn't know what to do. But here, this house called planet Earth is burning down. And we're doing the kind of the ostrich, putting our heads in the sand and saying, let's just ignore it. You know, it's it's not going to happen just now. Might happen to my kids. It will happen to my kids. It will happen, you know, to my grandkids. That's for sure. So we keep kind of pushing the problem away. And a lot of it, I think, is partly to how we communicate things, right? You've got the scientists raising the alarm bell saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. Then you have David Attenborough with his warm grandfather-like voice and beautiful imagery that makes you feel safe. But at the end of the show, you're like, oh my God, we're all going to die. So fear does not work. It doesn't work. It only works for a very short time. Hope works. Inspiration works. The idea of, if Matt, if I could give you a superhero's uniform, if I could make you Captain America, if we follow this analogy, or Thor, and I grant you his powers to save us, You're going to feel powerful. You're going to feel hopeful. And that's what Rebalance Service is here to do. We're here to make every single person feel like a Captain America, like a Thor, like all the other superheroes, because you can be. Mm. And that's, I think, is the fundamental message we want to give is that things are in a very bad situation, but we can turn it around.
0: There are thousands of companies and nonprofits doing amazing work to fight climate change. But I have to say, what Rebalance Earth is doing is completely unique. Listen
1: closely to how Wallet explains it. You mentioned the forest elephant, $40,000 dead for its ivory, but it's actually worth $2.6 million alive for how it boosts a forest capacity to absorb carbon. It does that by 7%. So a forest that has kept its forest elephants, like in Gabon, in Africa, captures 7% more carbon than a forest next door in the Democratic Republic of Congo that lost its elephants. So something you've got a valuation mechanism that works on an existing market. You can then go to employers and say, when you have an IT problem, you bring in an IT contractor you need a project manager, you bring in a project management contractor. Now you've got two problems. You're setting yourself some ambitious net zero targets on how you're going to become carbon neutral. You're not quite sure how you're going to do it. But also you've got another target. You want to become nature positive. Well, like you bring in other contractors. I'm saying your next contractor should be Rosie the Elephant. Because you know what, Rosie. She is a biodiversity and a carbon contractor.
0: Net zero is a commitment many of the world's largest companies have made, including EY. These organizations have promised to lower emissions as much as they can and then make up for what they can't by buying carbon credits. These are either projects that remove carbon from the atmosphere, like planting trees, or an opportunity to pay another entity not to emit. What Rebalance Earth is proposing is a brand
1: new alternative to that model. You recruit her. You know what? You're paying her a salary over her 60-year lifespan that is worth $2.6 million. So suddenly, the poacher or the industry that values her for $40,000 disappears and moves towards an industry where Rosie is employed. Because that poacher becomes a forest ranger, a park ranger, He's here to protect Rosie. And the local community who before may, may be making the wrong choices because they need the money, they're desperate, they're facing hunger, they're facing all kinds of issues are not getting free healthcare from Rosie. They're getting free education from Ro- Rosie. They're getting employment. And thus you're getting this network of value that is based on a living nature instead of a dead nature.
0: You've you flipped it on its head because if we think about the 4%, right, which is the wildlife and, and wild stock, we're flipping the value because they don't have a value to us other than, oh, look at that nice monkey, that elephant, whatever the animal might be, right? And they have a biodiverse impact. But if we see value in their life, instead of seeing as we do with livestock, the value at the end of their life, we flip it on its head and therefore to have a positive impact and the ecological benefit, the nature positive, as you call it, we are incentivized as individuals, as organizations, to increase that 4% to 6% to 12% to as large as it could ever be, capture some back of that 70% or 69% loss in wildlife. This is interesting because now, instead of just buying those carbon credits, they can sponsor or buy some wildlife, some wild stock, and be nature positive, therefore having that ecological quantifiable benefit, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, so so let let me clarify a little bit. So what a corporate is doing is not buying the asset, the asset being in this case, the elephant or the great whale or whatever. What they're buying, the asset is the services produced by that keystone, by that elephant. Hmm. The forest elephant is known as the great gardeners of the rainforest. Through the work that they do, they spread the nutrients, they spread the seeds. According to the IUCN, They're going to go extinct in 10 years. What will happen? The forest loses its gardener. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are gardeners, but if you stop taking care of your garden, it will change radically. The rainforest will shrink massively. So we need to start realizing that we are part of nature. We're dependent upon nature, just like an astronaut is dependent upon the space shuttle or the space station to keep it alive. We're dependent upon this thin little blue planet to keep us alive. Then we need to start changing the dynamic of that relationship. Because at the moment, saving nature has been from a an NGO, a charity, a philanthropic kind of field. But that's just the crumbs of what you have left in your pocket or behind, you know, your sofa. What we're saying is that we need to integrate nature within our markets. Because our markets are hundred percent dependent upon nature. Mm. So we need to value it and we need to integrate it. When did you discover this, this
0: sort of value <laughs> inverse relationship? I mean, how did that come about? Were you genuinely out poaching? And then you realized, you know, well, not, not to call you an elephant poacher. I'm sure that's not the case, but I hope not at least, but, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but how did this, how did you discover this? So
1: I run a, similar to you guys, you know, I run a podcast on how do large companies use blockchain? Technology. And mm. one of my podcasts, I thought I'll oh, do one on how does blockchain help reach the United Nations SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. And my guest was Marion Scherling from uh, Geneva Macro Labs, and she told me, "Oh, you know, we had this conference. We had this guy called Ralph Chami who told us the valuation of the forest elephant and the valuation of the great whales." And she explained to me. I looked up his article, and Ralph Chami is the Assistant Director at the IMF you know, not some kind of dodgy think tank, you know, from some place. This is the International Monetary Fund. And they stated that a great whale is worth $50,000 dead for its meat and $3 million alive for its carbon sequestration it does in the ocean. And when I read that article, it was like a thunderbolt that happened in my head. Three things happened. One is we only value nature when it's dead, not when it's alive. Two, I refuse to accept that my daughters grew up in a world with such crummy values. And the third is, Oh, wait a second. I think I know how to solve this. And that hypothesis then led me to contact Ralph. I said, listen, I love what you're doing. How can we collaborate? Then I contacted Ian Redman, who is an internationally well-known conservationist. He's like a cross between David Attenborough and Indiana Jones. I mean, he's been doing conservationists for 40 years. And then suddenly I found myself with this international team of professional volunteers. 95% I had never met because I was doing COVID. We all met through Zoom, WhatsApp, and Teams calls. And we realized we all shared a common problem. We all felt we didn't have any power. That yes, we could go green, we, we go vegan, we could get a solar cells, you know, on our roofs, you know, go electrical vehicles, but it's just felt so small. But we realized if we all connected together and pooled our collective intelligence, that there could be a way to tackle this problem as a collection of individuals. And that was two years ago. And since then, Rebalance has grown massively. And we're a registered in the UK as what's called a community interest company. So it's like sitting in between an NGO and a for-profit organization. And we're looking to launch in a number of countries next year to, to prove our model. Mm. So you've gone and created
0: a quantifiable and qualitative method on valuing a specific species. How do you develop that? Fill us in
1: that valuation was done by Ralph Chami and his team. That's his Mm. level of expertise. I come in more from the technology. But at the end of the day, even valuing life, whether it's human or, you know, an elephant or an orangutan has some level of controversy, right? Who are you to put a value to a beautiful species? At the end of the day, you know, an elephant or any form of animal life is beautiful, you know, from a spiritual, from an ethical, from many different points of views. Whilst we all recognize that, It's not something that is linked to a market Mm. and it's not something that can sit on a company's balance sheet. That's the problem about all existing forms of valuation. So what Ralph and his team have said, what is the science that proves that this elephant or this whale actually contributes to the ecosystem's capacity to sequester carbon? Mm. Because there is a market for carbon. Both in the regulated space and in the voluntary market. So, for example, the voluntary carbon market is estimated to hit 50 to 100 billion dollars by 2030. So today, most of it is through the trees, Mm. you know, that we have. You sell the carbon provided by the tree. What we're saying is that actually the gardener of that tree is the elephant and some of that value needs to come to the elephant. So once you understand that the elephant helps to boost a forest capacity to absorb carbon, so in the case of the Congo tropical rainforest, it's 7%, then you say that it is value. But because the elephant will reproduce and create new elephants, then you can take a discounted cash flow point of view, saying, well, this elephant will lead to X number of other elephants in the future. Thus, that total valuation is $2.6 million. Mm. Because in comparison to a forest, you can't plant an elephant When the elephants go extinct, that's it, game over. You can't bring them back. Mm. So let's value them for what they are now and to ensure that they will keep reproducing within their natural habitats. Walid and Rebalance Earth wanna be clear
0: that their company is not just about elephants, but they're starting with keystone species. These are animals on which entire ecosystems depend.
1: The thing is, I argue quite passionately that you have to start with the keystone species. Mm. Because if I then say to company A, B, and C, listen, I need you each to invest a million dollars to protect that ecosystem. Okay. I might get some level of support. Mm. Now, if I say, I want you to sponsor this newly found tribe of elephants, right? There's 40 of them, they're a healthy structure. You can name them, you're basically giving them human personalities to them, right? It's going back to the adopted dolphin corporate level, right? Yes, but not from a philanthropic, from a carbon credit. Mm. Yeah, but here you're mm. actually getting a value that you can put in your balance sheet. So that's an easier sell. So I, I would do this as step one, get them to support that tribe of elephants because they're going to get a value in the carbon and biodiversity credit that sits on their balance sheet. And then stage two is actually do the whole ecosystem right? The, the elephant sits within the entire ecosystem. You're going to get that much more value out of it. But it's about a journey that you have to take your clients on. And for me, I have to use all of a client's interests, passions to be able to get that first sale. Fantastic. Let me give you an example, Matt. You're taking a flight from, let's say, New York to London. Okay. And your airline is, says, do you wish to offset your flight by buying a metric ton of carbon?" Doesn't mean much to most people. Or he says, do you wish to support our tropical rainforest to offset your flight? Yeah, that sounds a bit interesting. Or do you want to get Rosie the elephant? Here's a video of her offsetting the last passenger's flight. And you're going to get your own video of it of her work today. Mm. You're suddenly building a relationship, right? And you can show that video, you know, on TikTok or on Twitter or whatever is your social media network to show how good of a person you are. You helped to save Rosie. So this is what I'm saying. You need to create those stories for people to feel passionate and for people to talk about it. Okay,
0: so we've talked about Rosie the Elephant, Keystone Species, and Net Zero. But how is Rebalance Earth really helping humanity save itself and the planet?
1: So we produce what is called high integrity nature credits. So... What is a nature credit? A nature credit is something that has both a carbon element and a biodiversity element. So when you buy a nature credit, you're effectively getting a carbon credit and a biodiversity credit. And the value of the credits that we sell in our system goes to support local communities, indigenous tribes, who for the beginning of time have been, if you want, the guardians of nature. They've been living with them in a harmonious way. So that, if you want, is the aspect of rebalance is that we're here to tackle through our nature credits, three global challenges. One is climate change. Second one is the loss of biodiversity. And the third one is human welfare and poverty. Because according to the World Bank, by 2030, if the past continues with climate change and biodiversity loss, you're going to get over 130 million people entering poverty. And we can see the impact that climate change has around the world i mean not so long ago even in europe wildfires droughts you know in germany the rhine river dropped to such a low level that the barges that carry the goods couldn't sail through it but then you get countries in developing economies like pakistan wherever a third of the country was underwater mm. this is the impact of climate change that so has an impact on society it has an impact on corporations ability to sell you know to operate as a company and The one greatest asset that we have to fight climate change is not tech. Well, it is tech. It's called nature tech. So Rebalance Earth is to say, well, if we're going to tackle climate change, we need to tackle the loss of biodiversity. And that means also bringing in the local communities because they are a key ingredient to protecting nature. But for that, we need to pay them. Mm. We need to provide their healthcare, their education. So we bring this kind of triangle, three-point approach to creating those holistic solutions. So talk me through the user journey of it,
0: because it's, I mean, it's really, really, really unique. The model you've applied, you've created, you've, you've ideated. So I'm, I'm Ernest & Young, right? And yeah. I come to you and I say, hey, you know, what we, you know, we've been doing this carbon credit. All our employees globally are offset any travel expense, but we want to do more. There's no real tangible value to us in that other than just doing the right thing. How would our first million dollars to you, what would you do with that? How would you
1: apply that? Do we select? Is there a dashboard? Wolves? Yeah, yeah. Elephants? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. So first of all, we do not position ourselves as an offsetting solution. Because the problem with offsets, it's transactional, right? It's a one-off or maybe it's a repeated one-off transaction. And with that, there is always a risk of greenwashing which is, you know what, I'm going to keep on doing all all the bad things because it's cheaper for me to offset. So what we're saying is that we're not an offset transactional business. We are an investment vehicle, just like any other financial investment product. So Matt, if you were to invest in some cryptocurrency or in some shares, you expect to get a return. And you're curious on what the CEO of that company may say or what is the general market condition because that will affect the share price and the kind of return or dividends you may be able to get. So the conversation I would have is, let me understand what are your net zero objectives? Let me understand, do you have a nature positive strategy? What does this mean to you? Is this, you see it as a financial product? Do you see this as a philanthropic exercise? Because if it's philanthropy exercise, we're not interested in that. We're interested in selling financial products that's going to provide you a return. So we're going to say, okay, you're buying our nature credits is an investment vehicle where you get a dashboard. Where in that dashboard, it will say, okay, well, you've invested, let's say, a million pounds. That million pounds is helping to sustain this keystone species that is providing you carbon credits and biodiversity credits. But also you can see how over time it is helping this local community raise their living standard. Mm. It helps for them to get better education, better healthcare. We invest, for example, in women who set up their own businesses because there's a direct correlation between the health of a society and the financial empowerment of women. So we take a very holistic approach. So we have this dashboard, we can select to some degree, what are the species you want to support? Mm. Because the rest is done by our algorithm because some species are not gonna be as sexy as the elephants, let's just say, but they are equally important.
0: Species marketability. I almost feel like we could get to a dangerous space of speciesism, right?
1: You know, yes. oh no, no, not the wolves. I'm scared of those. Let's go for the dolphins. Yeah, I like those. Exactly. Exactly. There will be a percentage that you can choose. And the other percentage is designed by our system in terms of the value mm. and also their threat level from an extinction. Mm. So we design it from that perspective. You get this dashboard and you can see on that day... Your nature credits were produced by Rosie the elephant, by Bob the wolf or by whatever, right? You can see the cameras and the videos of that evidence provided by our camera traps near real time. So you get all this data, but then you also see on a monthly level or maybe quarterly, how the local communities around it have their living standard has slowly increased. Walid
0: says there's also long-term value in investing in biodiversity and nature credits.
1: If you look at the price of carbon, it has doubled in the last 18 months. Biodiversity credits are now starting to appear. You're gonna get a biodiversity credit at a very low value, which could go up to hundreds of dollars like it has with the carbon credits. But because you're an investor, you wanna accelerate this. You wanna get this even more. So you may be tempted to fund this a little bit more by funding the science. Mm. We need more scientists. Mm. We need more data to really unlock all this interconnected value that exists in ecosystems. So I see this as a kind of global coalition of companies who want to support this initiative because it will sit on their balance sheet. And by the way, companies who can demonstrate a tangible impact on nature get a 6% rise in their share price. 6%. So there is real benefits. And it makes investment sense, mm. it proves your values, your authenticity, and it avoids you becoming a transactional, greenwashing kind of company. So back to the example. So yeah, we, we've come to, we've invested in
0: the platform. You mentioned camera traps on the ground, right? So yeah. we're putting elephants on the blockchain in on one side, but on the ground. So... Is this a relatively working capital intensive kind of model? How do you regulate, how do you monitor, evaluate, and and actually capture the data to put input into the platform that I see the dashboard of where Rosie is and her herd?
1: Yeah. So again, depending on the species, you get different types of sensors. So for those which are not affected by the forest canopy, we can use satellites. And Mm. satellites provide us optical, radio, and LiDAR technology to monitor a species. We work with companies like NatureMetrics We do what something is called eDNA, which is they take whole kinds of water, soil, and mosquito samples to monitor the DNA of that area. And talking about DNA, we need to take, for example, DNA tests of the dung, which is the poo that the elephant produces, you know, but it has to be 40-hour fresh. So dung testing is another one. So we got satellites, we got dung testing, we got acoustic sensors. Every elephant, like every human, makes a unique sound mm. so we can detect them. And of course, The most common one will be motion activity camera traps now as a company i don't want to go and put camera traps all across the forest it's Mm -hmm. as you say it's capital intensive but you know who has camera traps already conservationist groups national parks authorities i can give them all a means to connect that camera trap to my blockchain if i ever use one of their pictures or videos to prove that that elephant was alive i will pay them up to a dollar so suddenly and transforming conservation groups camera traps as a source of income and funding conservationism
0: mm. so yeah that's sort of when we think about the value of a dollar spent from a charitable perspective not that it's a charity but you know there was this dollar in dollar out you know how much does it cost to reach the target of what you're trying to do you fractionally split that dollar to support these different organizations for capturing the data you need to input to the platform to realistically you know using your algorithms understand exactly the locations the livelihoods of these animals of these keystone species correct
1: correct it reminds me of something also which is i call it the ripple effect so for example if any other clients was to say you know we want to get carbon credits we're going to invest in this carbon capture technology there is one for example in iceland is run by clamworks it's basically this huge machine that absorbs carbon from the air and pumps it into the ground right mm. that's all you spend let's say hundred dollars you get a hundred dollars carbon credit it was rebalance you spend $100 through Rosie the elephant. You get a carbon credit. You get a biodiversity credit. You get a community that gets free healthcare, that gets free education, that gets job creation. Suddenly those jobs provide an income which they can spend on different types of products. So you're getting this ripple of end and ends and ends of how far that $100 goes for you. The option is the technology. That's all I got, the carbon credit. The other one just keeps giving.
0: I get it. It's really unique, <laughs> the platform. Yeah, and I, I and can't it's really imagine. hard to do, though. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it sounds complicated in certain aspects, right? There's both digital context and then obviously the physical and the tangible stuff. You have to go in there and partner with organizations, but also blockchain. So yeah. I wanted to ask, you know, why is blockchain technology so central to making this come to life?
1: Sure. So let me just clarify a point. So when I say blockchain, I'm talking about private enterprise permission blockchains.
0: Private Enterprise Permission blockchain.
1: Yes, there's so many words that are used to describe it because the alternative is public permissionless blockchains, which is what is commonly known as Bitcoin, as Ethereum, mm. and so on. So we're not a public blockchain. We're not a cryptocurrency. We use blockchain because whether you're in the public or the private space, blockchain is, for me, it's two things. It's a governance engine and it's a trust engine. That's fundamentally what it is, which is what I see is what you see. If I try to tamper with the data, you will be notified of this. And that is very important because it avoids the risk of unnecessary reconciliation, of unnecessary intermediaries that are here to validate the information. It can all be done in a very kind of raw manner. Blockchain
0: technology has come under fire for using massive amounts of energy. But Walid says Rebalance Earth avoids that by using a private blockchain. It uses less energy to make a transaction than it takes to send an email.
1: So as to why blockchain, because one of the biggest challenges that we've seen in the carbon markets is the risk of double counting. I sell you that tree, but then I sell it to my neighbor also, right? You don't know who is the real owner. There's also a lot of lack of transparency. Well, really, where is that tree? Do I really own that tree? And so on. And there's a Bunch of middlemen, which are also known as carbon cowboys, which mm. are here to create a tiny bit of value, but extract more value for themselves. Mm. So by having a blockchain, what this enables us to do is if we come back to the example that EY, let's say, invests in an elephant-based project, let's say in the DRC, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, they can actually see which elephants has produced that credit for them. They can see that that data came from one of our sensors, one of the sensors from the other conservation groups, and they can see where the money has gone to, what has gone to pay Audrey the park ranger. Audrey Park the ranger is protecting 20 elephants. She's done 17 DNA tests, and she's intercepted two poachers. You can also see how much money has gone in refurbishing that school. So you've got this clear transparency. Equally, the transparency works in the other aspect, the local communities. Local communities can say, okay, they spent a million dollars of which a percentage of it has gone to this part of the DRC, of which a percentage has gone to our village. And this is all traceable. Mm-hmm. I know that no government ministers has taken some of the money and bought themselves a
0: villa in Monaco, right? So it's the traceability aspect of it, the transparency. And I mean, that's ultimately what the ledgers of blockchain and the various ones promote, right? It's this immutable, undeletable, completely trackable and transparent yeah. nature. Absolutely. So that's sort of the
1: value you gain from that. That is the value from it. And as we grow as a company, we're going to need to build this kind of international governance structure Mm. because Rebalancer's Mm. vision is that we're going to be, over the next few years, we're going to be demonstrating how our platform can be used with multiple species in multiple jurisdictions. Once we've done that, we're going to create a very sophisticated science framework and methodology so that any countries around the world can upload their own keystone species because they want to monetize it. Mm. They want to be able to safeguard. Imagine if Indonesia says, you know what? We're making a billion dollars from palm oil every year. We could be making 1.2 billions from saving the orangutans." That's the kind of movement change I want to create at government level because their value in terms of natural capital is through extraction. I extract the oil, I chop down the trees, I do this. Let's move to a regenerative form of value towards natural capital. I will be much richer as a nation from a long-term perspective if I regenerate my nature. Mm. And that's what we want to prove. So I'm
0: not a corporate, and we've spoken a lot about sort of corporate involvement and and investment, right? I'm an individual, you're an individual. Everyone listening to this, our friends are all individuals. What can we do on an individual level to get involved in such an initiative and support Rebalance Earth?
1: Once we've done our pilot launch with corporations, we will be launching a consumer proposition Mm. where you can invest into nature as an individual or as a household to be able to get the benefits of supporting nature, both from a financial standpoint where you get a a return, but also to prove your values and your credibility in terms of protecting nature. So that's how you can do it. So you Mm. can volunteer your time and your expertise and you can also spread our word of this amazing journey we're having.
0: Walid, thank you so much. This has been beyond insightful and just so interesting to hear about what you're doing with Rebalance Earth. Go check them out.
1: Absolutely. Matt, it's been a pleasure to be on your show. I've really enjoyed our conversation and to your audience, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. We want to make you the superheroes. We want you to join our coalition of superheroes to face this challenge because we can. We can be powerful about this. You certainly are a better hero, Walid. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt.
0: Thank you all for joining me on this episode of Better Heroes. You can learn more about Rebalance Earth at rebalance.earth. And you can learn more about EY Ripples and all of our amazing impact entrepreneurs at ey.com slash EY Ripples. The links are in our show notes. Hey, before you go, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Better Heroes, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also rate and leave our show a review to help others find out about the amazing work of our impact entrepreneurs. We'd like to thank our podcast producers, Human Group Media, who helped us bring this show to life. That's it for today's episode. We'll be back next week. Better Heroes is a project of EY Ripples, a global program to mobilize people across the EY network to help solve the world's most urgent social and environmental challenges. By extending EY's skills, knowledge, and experience to impact entrepreneurs on a not for profit basis, and forging collaborations with like minded organizations, EY Ripples is helping scale new technologies and business models that are purposefully driving progress towards the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The views of third parties set out in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the global EY organization or its member firms. Moreover, they should be seen in the context of the time that they were made.